Right now, there's a white horse grazing in a pasture with a great herd of other magnificent steeds. As citizens of heaven occasion to pass by, they instantly know that this great hillside is filled with those preparing to carry the saints at the return of Christ to the earth. Even now, there is an intense sense of the coming ride of triumph. Each one knows its place, its orders, and directions. In fact, I believe that each one knows exactly who they will carry into battle. Your mount is gracefully pawing the ground right now. He's ready and anxious to escort you on his back as he follows the lead of the King of Kings. He knows exactly what to do. When he sees you, he'll recognize you and come up to you, awaiting the order of the sound of the trumpet. No one knows when this great event will happen. But the Bible talks about the second coming of Christ, eight times as much as of his first. Today on Life Journeys, Pastor Hardika is going to talk about the liberty that comes with eyes focused on our true citizenship in heaven with God. If we are going to safely address the corruption that has taken over America, we are going to have to know this. 1 Thessalonians says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them that are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Revelation 19 says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. In this present climate of political, media, and big tech corruption, in which our country is being turned into something that our Constitution is not compatible with, we need to know this thing very clearly. If we're going to address the grievances of sin happening in America, we're going to need a greater focus on our life with Christ above and be more consumed with our life with God than we are consumed with our life on earth. Otherwise, our motives are going to get messed up, our emotions are going to get out of control, and our carnal life will become more of a goal than our eternal life is. If you want to understand how to respond to this present souring in the world, and the pain that it's creating even in your own heart, look up and see the visions of John as the book of Revelation unfolds. Around the throne, the saints of all angels are beholding the glory of God and declaring his majesty and holiness. No man can rightly face this earth's suffering and injustice without putting his eyes on things above. While Stephen was testifying about the Lord Jesus in the book of Acts, it says they began to stone him to death. But his eyes were fixed on heaven's kingdom, and it was written of him that he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. I also have no doubt that with the kingdom of God reigning in the heart of the believer, there is no suffering on earth that we must go through that cannot be overcome by and for the honor of our King. 
To behold such majesty would cause a man like Peter to say, I am not worthy to hang on a cross like my Lord and Savior. And thus was he crucified upside down. Fight for the faith that avoids suffering at all costs if you want to, but as for me, I'll choose to keep striving to put my sights on a glory that is not worthy of comparing to this world's pain. And ladies and gentlemen, that is true freedom. I'm not going to list a bunch of texts to prove a post-tribulation rapture here, but I am saying that if my kids are not saved, I don't want to leave them. I'd rather give my life, not only to help them come to Christ, but to help any soul. The point is, the message of the gospel is not, I've got good news for you. You don't have to suffer in this world if you're right with God. The gospel is simply that the kingdom of God is here. The rule and reign of Jesus Christ is at hand, it is near, it is upon you, and it is within you. To the six million Jews in Nazi concentration camps, the kingdom of God is here. To the Christians in communist China today who are being persecuted, imprisoned, and executed, the kingdom of God is here. To the Jewish nation held captive to horrendous Roman rule, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here. With Jesus hanging in shame, his flesh torn, dripping out his lifeblood before the jeering crowd, the message was and is the kingdom of God is here. To you who see the Democratic Party in America handing over our nation to financial, political, and moral ruin, the kingdom of God is here. With the Great Reset being touted around the world, and with Americans being the only nation who could have stopped the sudden march to complete the foundation for one world rule, we are being put in a prophetic imminence of the unfolding of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Is that a bad thing? No, because the kingdom of God is here. You see, falling short of God's glory defines our sin. Living in His glory is our victory over it. The greatest faith is not faith in what God can do. The greatest faith is in who He is. This is the faith that isn't crippled by martyrdom, Auschwitz, or any other depth of suffering. It leaves no one wanting for an explanation of why the righteous suffer. As I listen to How Great Thou Art, which is my daily custom now in devotions, I may imagine something like God riding on the horizon of some distant planet, looking down upon the earth and swirling his finger across the oceans and setting the weather pattern for the week. The weatherman is actually reporting the hand of God. Or perhaps I see the Lord jumping from one galaxy to the next and stumping some astronomer with a sudden change in some distant solar system's projected direction. Then he moves across the expanse of time itself in ways that men can't comprehend and checks in on Israel as they cross the desert beyond the Red Sea. Next, he's on the throne where heaven is declaring the greatest rendition of Handel's Messiah beyond what men have ever imagined. This God is awesome beyond the thoughts or feelings of man. But what is also as breathtaking a display of the greatness of God is to somehow behold the Lamb of God hanging on the cross as those whom He created, loved, and came to save, have put Him there on a gruesome stake. 
he willingly allowed himself to be humiliated, forsaken by those he knew before they were born. He came to his own, the Bible says, and his own did not receive him. They were killing the one who spoke galaxies into existence, and he let it happen. How great is the love of God! What amazing grace that God has chosen us to come home into the glory that is His. He created us after His image that we may truly be beings, human beings, who are brothers with Jesus Christ Himself, joint heirs with Him of the inheritance of eternal glory and love. This world, with all of its stains and allurements clinging to my clothing of flesh, is not who I am. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places, called to sit with Him on His throne, reigning with Him as the apple of His eye. I am not considered a slave or even a servant as one in servitude. I am made like Him, that I might have His very life essence flowing through me forever. That's what the Bible teaches us. What glory we all miss when we don't see His breathtaking beauty and power while we can measure it against the dark canvas of this world's pain. Why would Paul say for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, lest he held in his heart something far greater than the fleeting carnal exaltation of merely seeing men healed in their bodies by His hand or raised from the dead by His voice? His far greater focus, motive, and life goal was to be with Christ. It is Him saying, It is far better for me to be with Him, but to remain here is needful for you. We live in such a time as this, because we are called to contend with the darkness of this world, just as Jesus was. Don't be discouraged with what you are seeing. You have an appointment to be a light, of the love, the holiness, and the glory of God. Take time to consider your eternity, and the glory that is calling you.